Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavour. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey my friends, I want to let you all know that my very first book, The Path of an Eagle, How to Overcome and Lead, after being knocked down, is now available for pre-order. I'll make sure the link is available in the show notes below. All right, my friends, let's do the show. There is a story for everyone here because every story matters. Welcome everyone to the Storybooks. This is the place to be if you are a lover of stories, learning new and interesting things, and if you want to grow abundantly. My name is Jay Phantom, and I believe it's my purpose to help you realize your worth and become the greatest and best version of you possible. I am grateful that you're here today. Now let's journey into the story box together and hear more about whose story will be unboxed today. Before we begin today, I want you guys to ask yourself a very important question. Is your current diet feeding or defeating disease? Forget everything you think you know about your body and food in today's conversation because we're going to rediscover the new science of how the body can heal itself. Yes, you heard me correctly. My guest today is none other than Dr. William Lee. And today we're going to learn how to identify the strategies and dosages for using food to transform your resilience and health into eat to beat disease. Your body was designed to fight off diseases, but it seems like these days we have become more obese, more unhealthy, uh, and we need to change that. We need to build up our resilience of our immune system by doing the things that actually do help to build that resilience, which is found in, you guessed it, the kind of foods that we do eat. We need to radically under, we have, sorry, radically underestimated how foods can be used to amplify this hidden power. Pioneering physician, scientist, and my guest today, Dr. William Lee empowers you guys by showing you the evidence behind over 200 health-boosting foods that can starve off cancer, reduce your risk of dementia, and beat dozens of other avoidable diseases. Dr. William Lee is an internationally renowned Harvard-trained medical doctor, researcher, and president, and a founder of Angiogenesis Foundation. His groundbreaking work has impacted more than 70 diseases, including cancer, diabetes, blindness, heart disease, and obesity. His crazy TED Talk, which pretty much has gone uh, viral, Can We Eat to Starve Cancer? 
has garnered more than 11 million views and as he's also appeared on the Dr. Oz show, Martha Stewart Live and many, many others, Voice of America. And he has this incredible book, which I definitely highly encourage you all to go and get a copy of it. It's called Eat to Beat Disease, a new science of how your body can heal itself. I'll make sure the link is available in the show notes below. But this really is a conversation that I thoroughly enjoyed. We do talk about the kind of foods that we can be eating in order to beat the diseases that we often can get affected by and so much more. This is really such a informative conversation and I hope that you guys really, really do like it. If you do, please share it around with your friends and your family. Let everyone know about this one. Uh, go and get a copy of Dr. Lee's book. Link will be in the show notes below for you guys. Also, don't forget that my very first book, The Path of an Eagle, How to Overcome and Lead After Being Knocked Down, is now available for pre-order. I'll make sure the link for that is in the show notes below. But if you guys want to learn how to overcome the most difficult challenges in life and lead the very best life forward with strategies on, on improvement and, and growth, then definitely pick up a copy of this book. Also, if you love stories too, I wrote it basically for people that don't like reading uh, and made it as easy as possible for you guys to actually read in almost a day or uh, less than that, to be honest. Um, although it is quite a lengthy book, over 200 something pages, it makes for a very, very easy read. All right, my friends, you know what time it is. It is time to learn how to eat to beat diseases as we journey into the story box and listen to the incredible wisdom, the advice, and the stories of none other than Dr. William Lee. Well, thank you very much, Jade. So it's really a pleasure to be part of this. Thank you. It's really an honor to have you on the show today. I've been listening to some of your other conversations you've had with many different other podcasters. I love your conversation with Dr. Rangan Chatterjee as well. I wish that one would, went longer. <laughs> that was my only complaint. Uh, but I am so grateful for your time and, and your willingness to be on my show today. My very first question for you is a question that I love starting off all my conversations with, which is what does success look like for you? Oh, well, listen, on a personal level, I think that um, success is um, uh, has got to be imbued with uh, satisfaction. Like you've got to feel I, I have to feel really good about what I'm doing. I mean, one can pursue a number of activities and reach the um, milestones or the checkbox but if it doesn't, isn't something that really feels good to you, um, for me, I don't call, call that success. Because success is really when there's something I want to do that I've actually worked towards doing that's that um, uh, that is successful. Let's say by almost any criteria. But the one that's most important to me is how I if, is whether I get a personal uh, satisfaction out of it. And then, you know, honestly, a, a litmus test for me is whether or not I want to talk about it afterwards, because, <laughs> you know, if I'm passionate about something, it's and, and it's not really just talking about the 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 milestone of the mark or the success. It's really talking about what I've learned during the process, because I think that for many activities, endeavors, uh, in which one could be successful. It's really the learning. It's the it's the journey that you take forward with you, not just the destination. 
why are you passionate about the medical field and more specifically diving into this sort of research in cancer prevention and trying to beat diseases? You know, I, 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 I take my interest in medicine going all the way back when I was a kid. Uh, I was, um, I, I don't know, I probably was seven years old, maybe, maybe not even that. And um, my mother actually had an arrhythmia, so a, a, a unusually fast heart rate. My father was at work and, you know, I, I literally was so scared. I thought she was going to die. And one of our family friends is a doctor um, came over to see her. Um, I made a house call and um, and using, you know, through his expertise. And I watched really with my eyes riveted, you know, I, I think all of my senses were on alert and I uh, and he was able to actually get her heart rate down. She didn't have to go to the hospital. Everything turned out okay. And I do distinctly remember that was a really formative moment where I realized that without any knowledge, you have a ton of fear when it comes to your health with knowledge and expertise, you know, suddenly you could actually not only, um, uh, uh, reduce that fear uh, and do something, but you could actually reduce the fear in other people as well. And so I always wanted to be a medical doctor. Um, you know, my, my mother uh, as an artist, uh, she's a pianist. My father's a, a scientist. He's an engineer. Um, and they're both retired, but, uh, they, they, um, kind of, uh, uh imbued in me, a love of arts and sciences. So kind of the creative and the logical side. And although they seem like very different parts of the brain, I pursued uh, education and, and hobbies and everything else that kind of blended them. And, and as it relates to medicine, here's what I always think really works well for me with that background. Science leads the way when it comes to progress in medicine. But there is so much in medicine that we don't have answers for. Um, a, a great example is a recent coronavirus. I mean, when COVID hit, we knew nothing about it. And so medicine had nothing to offer. It was a great example of how, no matter how thick our textbooks are and how skilled we may be from our training, there may come a time, maybe more often than we think, where we are really um, in thin air. And for me, when I come to those points with healing and medicine where the knowledge kind of dissipates, that's where, or when there's a brick wall, you know, you just don't know where to go next. That's where I'm actually able to kick into the creative side to, to go around the obstacles to see if I can find a, a different solution uh, besides the one that one might expect. And that's how I pursue my research. How I got into food um, and medicine is that actually I spent uh, 30, more than 30 years actually doing drug development and biotechnology and and my field is called angiogenesis. Mm. Angio is blood, blood vessels. Genesis is, is growth. And angiogenesis is literally how the body grows blood vessels. We have 60,000 miles worth of grown blood vessels in, our, in the typical adult body. Um, uh, and these are the highways and byways that deliver oxygen and nutrients from what we eat to all of our cells and organs. Now, um, I was very excited by um, looking at angiogenesis and its problems when there's a problem of blood vessels as a common denominator in disease. And so that led through my nonprofit organization uh, to the successful development of, of, of just a few weeks ago, 42 FDA approved treatments for cancer, diabetes complications and, and vision loss. So, um, you know, it was, uh, you know, th those, I would say, 
all a great examples of success. Each one was a big milestone, very successful. But I learned a lot from that. And this is, again, along the lines of our, our, our conversation. What did I learn from it? I mean, obviously, very satisfied being able to help develop something that can help people. But what I am even more passionate about is the insights that the body actually knows how to heal itself. The drugs that we develop just try to tip your body further in that direction. Okay. And, and I, and, and after, you know, I, I probably had maybe a, a dozen uh, new treatments that have been developed. I mean, you know, like, where do you go next after that? Um, I started realizing that treating disease was um, missing the biggest opportunity, which is to prevent disease in the first place. And if you're going to talk about prevention, you really can't talk about drugs, pharmaceuticals. You have to talk about something that's safer, more accessible, less expensive, and that people, you know, don't kind of um, dread. Like most people don't want to take medicines, um, but food is something that is widely available, that's easy to incorporate into your everyday life. And so I began uh, realizing that the, the big challenge with food and health is that there seemed to be so little research at the level that we are accustomed to for medicines when it comes to evidence, scientific evidence. So I literally started to throw foods into the same experimental systems for drug development. So I started studying food as medicine and that opened my eyes to this entirely new world that, you know, right hidden in plain sight are all these natural sources of health stimulants mm -hmm. and, and activators that um, could do a, a huge amount for us by preventing disease in the first place. I want to get to what sort of foods help prevent diseases in just a moment. And I didn't mention in the intro that because you were, you were just speaking about COVID-19 research, you're, you're one of the leading people in, in research into COVID-19, which itself is a disease. It's pretty nasty if you've ever had it. Uh, there's different strains of it, obviously. But I'm curious, the, the, I guess, understanding where disease really comes from where does disease really originate? And secondly, how can we prevent it? I know the first one might be a complicated kind of question <laughs> because it's just, it's pretty much always been around, hasn't it? Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, I would try to simplify things for your, uh, your audience to say, uh, you know, when we are born, our body is hardwired to protect our health and to resist disease. We have all the tools we need to live our entire life illness-free, okay? And these are our health defense systems, which medicines try to resurrect and to help along, and foods can activate them as well. Um, broadly speaking, when you wanna look at disease, now, you know, I'm a physician, I'm a medical doctor, internal medicine. Um, I, I take care of men and women, young and old, healthy and sick. I can tell you that most doctors are trained as I was to identify and characterize and treat disease and pursue disease. A much more challenging question that I, that I wondered about when I actually was in medical school still is how do you define health? Mm. Uh, and, and, and health, you know, I used to always say, well, how, you know, I, how do you know you're healthy? Well, I know I'm healthy because I'm not sick. Well, health has got to be more than the absence of illness, absence of disease. And the reason is um, the, it's very difficult to operationally do something 
based on the absence of something else, right? That's basically spinning your wheels in midair. That we're like, what do you, what can you do about health, right? And 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 that's what led me to reconceptualize and look at all the scientific data and realize that you know what, health isn't just the absence of disease; it's the result of our body's health defense systems firing in all cylinders at work for us from the time we're born to our very last breath. There's five health defenses, our circulation, angiogenesis, our stem cells that we're born with, our gut microbiome. It's this whole ecosystem. I use the Great Barrier Reef as as an analogy of this complex ecosystem that's beautiful in and of itself, but that when it's disrupted, bleached, so to speak, you wind up actually having like terrible consequences uh, to the environment of the gut, of leaking, of your brain, of your healing, of your metabolism. So your gut gut health is absolutely important. DNA, much more than a genetic code, and our immune system is a huge protector of our health. And when it comes to disease, because you asked, what is disease? Where does it come from? I would say disease comes from outside of the body. So a virus or bacteria could easily come at us, um, or disease can come from inside the body, an invader or a failure inside the body. However, when our health defenses are working at their optimum, think about it like a car, you know, your your automobile is so complicated. Um, uh, and yet, all we have to do is to open the door and sit in it, turn it on, and we can just go and not have to think about its workings. That's how the human body is. And as you can imagine, if you have a problem, with your rotor, your clutch, your you know uh, spark plugs, any aspect starts to have a problem, suddenly all attention gets focused on the problem because you're not gonna be running really well. And that's why focusing on our body's health defense systems is really one of the most important things we can do throughout our entire lives. Is having natural immunity to certain diseases far superior than having actual medications? Well, uh, here's the interesting thing. You you know, you use the word immunity, which is appropriate. Um, Our immune system is a health defense system, but there's a broader kind of um, holistic view of immunity, which is, you know, how do we stay away from cancer? How do we stay away from heart disease? How do we stay away from diabetes? Because in the literal literary sense, if we were immune from some of these most feared conditions, you know, obesity, diabetes, uh, cancer, dementia, uh, heart disease, stroke. We'd be living to a ripe old age, which is what many people want to live in. Like, But think about it. Uh, uh, chronology, time is not the only factor. Quality yeah. plus time is where the money's at. We want to live long and prosper, right? Um, and so you don't want to just live a long time suffering. And so I think this is another um, uh, aspect of... of um, of um, how to actually think about our in, uh, immunity, our let's call it let's call it something different. Let's call it resilience, because we're all going to get a little sick, and we're all going to get a little better. What we want to do is to have that kind of resilience so deep in our body, uh, so uh, uh, so intractable uh, as we go through our life journey that essentially we become impervious. Let's call it to some of the most feared illnesses. Do you believe that in today's day and age that more and more people are getting sicker with these, I guess you could call them diseases like cancer, Alzheimer's disease, obesity, uh, heart disease, all, all these diseases, and even, I guess, other ones too. Do you believe that we're becoming more and more sick? 
Um, you know, it, I I, I want to say yes, but I, I want to also make sure for your audience, I'm giving kind of the right context to things. Mm. I think that as our population swells and ages, we are, you know, worldwide dealing with more pop, more challenges uh, of aging. And as our cells get older and our health defenses, you know, also start to um, wear down, uh, it's up to us to actually take the responsibility to shore them back up. And so, yes, while I do think that there is a greater burden of chronic diseases like cancer, heart disease, lung diseases, obesity, diabetes, um, dementia, kind of, um, kind of um, uh, on all of our shoulders, sort of in humanity, at the same time, we have greater, let's say, awareness and greater empowerment to do something about it. So more of us could live longer because that's the other thing that's happening is that more people are living longer as well. Now, I'm going to throw one um, uh, curveball into um, uh, sort of how we think about the, the burdens of illness is that, you know, our climate is really suffering. And as um, the thin blue line that defines the habitable, what, what makes Earth habitable, which is our atmosphere, starts to degrade inevitably. I mean, you know, we see pictures of the icebergs falling down and the sea levels uh, rising, uh, the, 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 you know, the, the flora and fauna changing. But really what it also does is put us at much greater risk for illness as well. And so I think that, you know, the something that I've been spending quite some time um, ruminating on is how our responsibility to the entire planetary health, including our climate, and our environment, is ultimately going to be um, well aligned with our own individual health as well. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that front. And I think that well, here's, here's a question that I've been curious about. And I've heard a lot of people say, that it, it is a, it is a disease. Do you believe that age is really a disease? Ah, that is such an interesting question. Um, I've heard this as well. I have some friends who study aging. Mm. Uh, uh, Dr. David Sinclair, who's from Australia, yeah. uh, is a friend of mine and, and, a, and a brilliant uh, researcher at Harvard. Um, and I know some others, uh, folks as well. You know, I kind of don't like to think about aging as a disease. Mm. I like to think about kind of aging as part of a biological clock. And it can be happening at the level of an individual cell within our body. We've got about 40 trillion cells, or it could be happening at the organ level, or it could be happening at the organismic level. We're a gigantic organism. Uh, and so part of the cycle of of aging uh, makes you think about renewal. And so what I'm actually really interested in, and foods can do this by the way, is how do we regenerate our health? How do we regenerate our body? Because in fact, we're in a continuous po uh, process of renewal. So if I told you that a baby is born uh, and when that baby is born, uh, if you look in the bone marrow, there are 750 million extra stem cells. So these stem cells were originally used to build the baby, right? When mom's egg met dad's sperm in the womb. Uh, after a few days, it's just a bunch of stem cells 
um, kind of um, forming and the face gets formed and the ear gets formed and the liver gets formed and the brain gets formed, et cetera. When the baby comes out in nine months, there's overage, extra stem cells. Those get packed away in the bone marrow and they continuously are called out during the course of our lives over 80 some years, typically. And they are actually rebuilding and renewing and regenerating ourselves. So what is aging besides the number of candles on your birthday? If you don't take into account that we have the intrinsic capacity to renew ourselves from the inside out. And could we be generating more, coaxing more, um, preserving better the, the renewal of our body? You know, there's this big fight, right? We pull out the big swords and pull out, kind of create big guns to try to knock down the deterioration of cells. Um, and, and that's sort of like the fountain of youth. Uh, I'm going to live to uh, 200 years old or, you know, people articulate it like that. I kind of, I have a different view viewpoint and I come at this as a scientist. Well, what if we reconceptualize aging, not as slowing down the process of the clock, the calendar, but what if we actually uh, approach uh, vitality by um, stimulating renewal? Can we regenerate ourselves more? Would that allow us to actually allow the, our younger selves at any point in time um, uh, catch up and overtake our older selves? So I leave that with for you to, to think about. It is very interesting for me to think about because I have listened to Dr. David Sinclair and, and so many times and it's just one, it, it just made me even more curious to, to dive further into it. I mean, because on, on one level, a person say uh, around 50 to 60 years old, they could get early onset Alzheimer's or dementia, they, they, which yeah, that can happen. But then say, for example, another person a lot younger, they can't get, they, they won't get certain illnesses. I don't know if I'm making too much sense here, but like it just interests me like is age or does age play a factor or is there something else that's going on like for example say someone that is a young person they end up with cancer compared to an older person that you would think that cancer or alzheimer's would would happen to them but it doesn't so i don't know if this is making any any sense at all my oh, brain oh, just like oh. going a million miles an hour no, no. It, it, it totally makes sense. Let, let me let me tell you how I think about it. Um, our health defenses keep us vital at any time in our life. And as we get older, we're accumulating insults and injuries to our health defenses. And so as we get older, our defenses kind of just wear down a little bit more. And, and the wear down, the damage can be cumulative. And this is why, I, you know, I'm really now doing some really deep dives on how can we eat foods that uh, restore, support, buttress, activate our health defenses so that as we age, we are allowing our own body system to try to do that job of fending off illness. By the way, you know that why um, very young people, I mean, some children do get cancer, unfortunately, but it's actually much less common than adults get cancer. So um, children almost never get colon cancer, as an example. Um, well, one of the reasons is that our body's health defenses, the angiogenesis system, our blood vessels are hardwired to prevent cancers from getting nutrition. And that's really robust when we're actually a kid. The other thing is that our, uh, as a child, our immune system is uniquely 
fortified to be able to search out and destroy and wipe out any microscopic cancers that might form. Our DNA hasn't accumulated the damage of 50 or 60 years of continuous summers of sunshine, um, of drinking beer, uh, eating ultra processed foods, being exposed to, you know, um, uh, perfluorocarbons in the environment, you know, the off gassing from the carpet, all the things that, you know, we accumulate in our life that, that weaken our health defenses. And so our genetics are stronger defending us. Our gut health is more native, you know, not yet changed and altered by harms in the environment. So, you know, children wind up actually in general, like they get sniffles, they get colds, but in general, they they don't get those chronic diseases. And what I'm really looking at is that as we get older, these chronic diseases that we all fear and that, you know, some people, you know, like think, well, I guess if I'm getting older, I'm going to get diabetes or I'm going to, I would tell you that if you focus less on the specter of disease, and focus more on the opportunity to support your health, your own health, as you get older, to, you know, in some ways sort of counter, take a countermeasure against all the things that have accumulated um, uh, in your life that might take down your health defenses. That's an opportunity to do something proactive rather than react to something that you might fear. Yeah. I guess where my mind was going with it too, that I didn't probably explain is if you've got like a, a really, really healthy person doesn't matter what age they're at and they suddenly end up with cancer for example i mean they did everything that they thought was right they ate properly they had medications they they got everything they needed to but suddenly i guess would you say that has something to do more with dna because i've heard somewhere for example cancer i've heard that we've all got cancer cells in our body it's just been activated at a particular point in time, why is why is that the case? If someone is being extremely healthy, has it got more to do with genes or angiogenesis, that sort of well, thing? All, all, all the above. I mean, so um, we are all made of trillions of cells, estimated forty trillion cells. That's more star. That's more cells in your body than the stars you could see in the night sky. Out there and the the reality is that every time those cells divide to multiply which is how we stay alive it's what our body does uh, every time they divide at the scale of 40 trillion a few are going to make mistakes those mistakes are called mutations those abnormal cells those that mutated cells if one or two mutations occur you got a presto, you got a microscopic cancer, but they cannot grow because your body's angiogenesis system withholds the ability to for them to grow blood vessels. So that's a protective thing. And then our, your immune system uh, is able to spot those microscopic cancers and, and eliminate them. I, 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 I sort of liken the immune ability to wipe out microscopic cancers that are forming all the time, like a pimple in your body, like a police officer a cop on a beat driving through a neighborhood and seeing a drug dealer on a corner before that person's caused any problems, you pick them up, put them in the squad car and take them away. Okay. And that's basically how cancer is dealt with normally. Now you can imagine over the course of, and, and of course, genetics can play a role, by the way, do you know that for cancer, the genetic component of cancer uh, the true inherited components of cancer uh, only plays about five to 10% of a role. 90% is our environment and our lifestyle. So 
what happens as we get older? Uh, so those invisible cancers, and when you're 20, when you're five years old, when you're 20 years old, when you're 30 years old, you get wiped out. Um, what happens is that when you get to your 50s and 60s and 70s, you know, you're entering into this tunnel where all of a sudden the risks of lethal diseases start to go sky high. Usually it's because your body's lost the ability or some of the ability to cut off the blood supply to the cancer. Your body's um, immune system is not quite as reliable in finding those microscopic cancers, your gut microbiome changes, which changes the immune system. And so again, back to our defenses, the simplest things that we can do is to treat our body's health defenses as well as possible. Stay away from the things that hurt it and more things that actually support it. What sort of foods should we stay away from to prevent diseases making even more impact on our health? Right. So, you know, my work has really focused on what do we add to our body to enhance our uh, our defenses. Uh, uh, and, 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 in, and in general, the, the what you add to the body, the good news is that there's more than 200 foods that support your health defenses. So it becomes a an act of pleasure and joy, uh, you know, sort of in food cultures, to be able to eat foods that you enjoy uh, that actually promote your health. That said, all the research has shown that there are some patterns of food or types of food that if you eat them consistently, you know, over the course of your lifetime, or maybe even over the course of a year, are um, very likely to damage your body's health defenses. When your defenses go down, you become more vulnerable. The invaders that you can come in and all kinds of um, uh, uh, havoc, chaos can happen to your health. All right, so what are some of those harmful patterns of food that have been discovered? Well, you know, the things that you that I think many of us have heard about, red meat, eating a lot of it, a little bit's okay, a lot of it's not okay. Um, uh, saturated fats, lots of saturated fats. Um, uh, ultra-processed meats. The World Health Organization contains considers ultra-processed meats a carcinogen, actually. Mm -hmm. So that's been attributed to have cancer. Um, uh, I would say uh, ultra-processed foods. So uh, I know that uh, when you walk into a grocery store, you go to the fresh sections of the food uh, aisle and, and everything is fresh. And of course, even then we want to avoid chemicals and pesticides if we can. You go to the middle aisles, they're told, we're told to stay out of the middle aisles. I say there are treasures in the middle aisles. You want to go for the middle aisle. But what you do want to do when you see a packaged food, a box, a can, uh, a jar, a bottle, you want to pick it up. You want to take a look at the ingredients. Mm. You want to read those ingredients because if there's 20 or more ingredients or there are words, tongue twisting words that you can't pronounce, or if the food is something that, you know, and this is actually quite true, that your grandmother would not recognize as a food in the box, it's probably got the chemicals, ultra processed chemicals that are not good, so good for you. Other foods that are bad for you, um, excess amounts of alcohol, not good for you. Artificial sweeteners, not good for your gut microbiome, your gut bacteria, which then damage your, um, your immune system and your metabolism uh, as well. Those are probably the biggest offenders. And, you know, some people want to throw sugar on there. And that's a easy to misinterpret. Uh, um, our body needs sugar. The most sugar avid part of our body is our brain. Everybody wants to have a good brain. You need a lot of sugar. Your body needs it. Uh, foods can provide us sugar. And, and things that are besides candy um, and cakes actually are sources of sugars, including not just fruits, but vegetables as well often have sugar in it. 
So natural sugars, sugars that come in whole foods, generally for most people are perfectly fine to have. The kinds of sugars that you want to avoid that damage your health defenses, um, like stun your stem cells and uh, reduce your immunity and wreck your microbiome are added sugars, like a can of soda that has 10 teaspoons of refined sugars added to it each time. Like, you know, if you if you took an empty cup, an empty glass, and just went to your sugar bowl, and you took and you just put 10 heaping teaspoons into the cup and said, here, go ahead, swallow that. You're not going to do it. And if you and somebody dissolved it, and you knew what was in there, you probably wouldn't drink it either. And yet, billions of people are drinking these cans of soda without realizing that that is called excess added sugar that damages your health defenses. So, so many good things to eat that come from food cultures. Um, and then, you know, like that kind of short list that I just talked about, want to uh, cut down or cut out. I also, when I go shopping, I look at the back and the ingredients list and I, let, I, I read them out. I think it's also being informed, like doing the research, reading books like yours to actually know the kind of ingredients that are in certain foods that are going to do damage to you. And I like how you also mentioned the artificial sweeteners. They actually trick your brain to think and they make you more hungry. So you go and eat more and more sugar, sugary treats and beverages and that sort of thing. And I also found out that uh, juices, like those juices that you get in the shop, you got to look at it from the perspective when it, and it says like a five-star health, health star rating. I don't know if you've got those in America. They have them here in Australia, but they're not five-star healthy rating because what they're doing is they're getting how many apples and they're squeezing how many apples plus they're adding excess sugar on top of that. So it's end up being 10 times worse than saying having like a soda or something like that. But people don't realize it because they're like, oh, it's fruit. It's fine for you. <laughs> It's oh, you crazy. know, look, the, the, uh, one of my favorite foods is loaded with natural sugar, which is in the summertime, a juicy peach, mm. uh, an incredibly juicy peach. Like I, I, when I, I dream about juicy peaches and, um, uh, and it's got quite a lot of sugar in it. So I don't eat a lot of them, but here's the thing. When you eat even a very sweet fruit, you are not only getting the fructose, which is a natural form of sugar, which you know is nowhere near the amount you get into a soda, but you're also getting a lot of bioactives, natural chemicals that come from the fruit itself, from other nature you're eating, and you're also getting a lot of dietary fiber. Let me tell you how important dietary fiber is. Mm. Um, uh, another uh, fruit that I love that's quite sweet is a juicy pear. Uh, can, you know, you know is, is also when, when it's in season is amazing. Okay, well, a study came out recently uh, that was published in a major journal, uh, a medical journal, uh, a scientific journal that looked at 200 uh, uh, some patients with melanoma, skin cancer, being treated with the latest cancer therapy called immunotherapy, immune therapy. Now, immunotherapy is one of the most natural treat cancer treatments um, you can think of because it, it actually uses your body's own defenses to attack and wipe out cancer not chemo. All right. Um, and, but the, and, and literally, including in my mother's case, you can take people with metastatic cancer and wipe out all of their cancer because their own immune system is possible. Capable to do this. Remember we talked about that. Your immune system has that power to clean your body of cancer cells. Mm. Immunotherapy and, and, and cancer though, unfortunately only about 20% of people respond, which is shockingly low. Wow. So for those 20%, if they respond, it's a 
Eureka. I mean, it's a, it, it seems like a miracle. I'll tell you some of the um, saves that I've seen, including my own mother who had metastatic endometrial cancer, who um, have had immunotherapy uh, and my, in my mother's case, only three treatments over uh, every three weeks. So uh, three treatments over nine weeks, never had chemo and her, in her 80 year old body wiped out all of this metastatic cancer. And today almost 10 years later, she's never had any cancer come back. And she's always been off treatment and living her life. And so I never thought I would see that in my medical career. That just seemed like a, a dream, uh, but it's here. All right, now here's the thing, only 20% of people respond in that manner or maybe even less. So the study that came out um, that was published so important. It was by the MD Anderson Cancer Center, one of the major academic medical centers, cancer centers in the United States and the National Institutes of Health. So, you know, one of the, the country's largest medical research funder. And they found uh, that um, uh, when they looked at the difference between responders and non-responders, the people who responded had one bacteria that the people who didn't respond did not have. It's called ruminococcus, gut microbiome, one of our health defenses. And then they asked, what were these people eating? And they found that the people who had ruminococcus also were eating a lot of dietary fiber, which feeds your gut microbiome, which is one of your health defenses, which talks to your immune system, which wipes out cancer. All right. Now, how much and they were able to do this calculation and they found how much fiber people needed to eat while they were getting treatment to actually lower their I mean, improve their chances of responding. And they found that five grams of dietary fiber per day lowered the risk of cancer progression, cancer growth, or mortality by 30%. Huh. For every five grams of dietary fiber you eat, you lower the risk of mortality by 30% or your ability to cancer to grow. Now, how much is a five grams of fiber, right? Like that's everybody just wants to know like, okay, doc, just give it to me straight. Like how much food is that? You get about five grams of fiber in a medium sized pear. That to me is so stunning that we didn't know that in the cancer treatment world. So this isn't food replacing medicine. This is food and medicine working together. Quite spectacular. Wow. That is incredible. What other foods have the ability that have a lot of fiber in it? And what other foods that you know of? I've heard you talk about kiwi fruits as well. Uh, that's pretty much a superfood. <laughs> uh, what other foods should we be actually adopting into our diets to prevent ourselves from getting cancer or other diseases? Yeah, well, there are more than 200 different foods out there and there's more being discovered literally on a weekly basis. So, you know, for any of your audience who wants to, you know, stay on top of this, you know, this is where what I talk about in my master classes, they can come to my website, sign up with my newsletter. It's uh, Dr. Dr. William Lee, li.com. You know, I, I love part of my mission is to get the word out about these foods. And so it, it's not like, what are the, you know, what are the five foods or what's the one food that we all need to eat? Honestly, uh, you know, I'll give you the general pattern of foods and I'll give you some of my favorites. Okay. So the general pattern is mostly whole plant based diet. That's going to be all plant-based, but mostly plant-based. Um, and the whole part of it is actually quite important because you're not getting just a dietary supplement and you're not getting the ultra-processed part of it. You're really getting the stuff that, you know, that you would see in a farmer's market or in a grocery store that's fresh and you would bring it home. And just like, you know, sort of the cultures of, 
of generations past, you just cut it up and cook it in the kitchen. And you go shopping a couple of times a week and you eat freshly prepared food. That, um, uh, so, so um, mostly whole plant-based foods, um, healthy fruits and vegetables, nuts, tree nuts, and uh, uh, legumes and grains, healthy fats and healthy oils. So that would be like omega-3 fats from seafood. I know that when I visited Australia, I, I really had an amazing experience um, uh, 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 tasting uh, dishes made with different types of fish that I, I would not get in the United States. Mm. It was uh, it was a real treat for me to actually explore, especially shellfish of different sorts. And um, um, and I and uh, and they actually have omega three fatty acids, which is a good fat. Um, and then olive oil uh, is a, is really a, an amazingly healthier oil that has many, many benefits uh, for your health. And then our herbs and spices are also good. So, um, you know, I think that if you build your diet around that uh, and make that, let's say 85, maybe 90% of how you'd characterize your regular eating, then, you know, if you're going to be eating a few things uh, outside of that realm that are treats for you, your body's going to be just fine. It can handle it. It's resilient. Some of my favorites, you know, I love berries. Uh, of all sorts, blackberries, blueberries, raspberries. I put that in one category. I drink green tea every single day. Now, green tea is not one type of tea. Um, you know, there's uh, sencha, there's matcha, there's jasmine tea, there's all there's, there's longjing tea. There's all these different kinds. I take great pleasure in sampling different types, and and it's calming to me. And I know it lowers cholesterol, it lowers body weight, it fights cancer, starves cancer by cutting off the blood supply. Lots of good things. That's, that's something that I really enjoy. Speaking of beverages, I used to live in Italy and uh, I did a gap year there and I always drink a, uh, an espresso or two a day. Coffee has something called chlorogenic acid that activates all of your body's health defense systems. Research has shown, by the way, that organic coffee has more chlorogenic acid than conventionally grown coffee. And, and so, you know, I, I'm always on the lookout for that now. Uh, I love uh, uh, leafy greens. So, you know, beyond the, the, the old adage of kale and broccoli, I love chard. I love to um, uh, look at different types of uh, of um, uh, watercress. I look at spinach. You know, it's about exploration. About it's really about diversity. By the way, something interesting about spinach is it's a great source of nitrogen because it grows low to the soil, absorbs a lot of nitrogen from the soil. When you eat spinach and you chew it, the microbiome on your tongue um, interacts with the nitrogen from the soil and converts it into a form. When you swallow, it gets absorbed in your stomach as nitric oxide, nitric oxide dilates blood vessels, lowers blood pressure, which protects you from stroke. And it also calls out stem cells to repair your body as part of your health defense. So that's another example, um, uh, of a leafy green. That's got a lot of benefits as well. Um, uh, and then, you know, I would say I, I do enjoy, um, uh, seafood. I, I'm a, I love actually, um, uh, I love a whole range of seafood. You know, I'm, I'm honestly, I, I do enjoy salmon every now and then, but I'm not a big salmon fan. I'll eat it every now and then. Tuna, it's got, it's a big fish. I don't eat it very often because it can have mercury in it. Yeah. But I love exploring lots of other types of fish. Um, for lunch today, I actually, I made some little baby gnocchis with a tomato pesto. Uh, a little uh, sprinkling of oregano. And then I literally did what they do in Spain, which is about as easy as you can do. I, I, I took out of my pantry a tin 
of marinated octopus. Oh. It wasn't very expensive. It was been sitting in my pantry for a few months. I took it out, opened it up. I took some of that lovely juice. I poured it over the, the gnocchi and the tomato pesto. And then I literally just put, put out a couple of chunks on it. And I had that. Now, octopus has got omega-3 fatty acids as well. It's not just salmon. And so, you know, like I, I enjoy um, exploring and sampling uh, shellfish as well. Dr. Lee, you're making me hungry. <laughs> I mean, we got some. Come over to my house. Uh, I've got to now, <laughs> honestly, where we can uh, cook some amazing food together. Seriously, because some, some of the best food here in Sydney, Australia is the seafood. I love it. I, I love a salmon every once a week or something like that. Not so often because you like, like you mentioned, the mercury. Would you believe, Dr. Lee, this is crazy. I used to eat a one kilo bag of spinach a day, probably too much <laughs> spinach, but because I love the stuff, I used to eat it like chips. It was, it was pretty bad. But now I just have like a little handful. And so, so, so I'll tell you a great way. Uh, so spinach is really unique because it's large in volume when it's raw, mm. but it's tiny in volume when it's cooked. Mm. And one of the things that I love to do with spinach, I mean, it's perfectly fine in a salad. Um, I, I, and, um, uh, but I like variety and I like flavors. And so if you take some extra virgin olive oil, so uh, take a Spanish olive oil made with picuau olives, very high in polyphenols, and you saute with a little bit of garlic, okay? And then you literally, before the garlic uh, turns brown, you don't want to burn it, you drop the, the spinach in, the spinach will start to cook down, like literally in seconds, like within a minute, if you keep turning it, it'll just wilt down. And then something I learned um, uh, in some of my travels that's really interesting is take some um, chili pepper flakes, Ooh. throw a few of those in there, take some pine nuts that you toast. It's a tree nut, got lots of dietary fiber and healthy nut fats and throw that in there and take some golden raisins. And you can then mix that together with the spinach. And now you've created a hot, a warm salad that's got all these other ingredients. That's a complement to the, um, you know, to the cold salad of the spinach. I'm definitely going to try this now, next time that I cook. <laughs> this sounds so delightful, honestly. And I like how you mentioned the extra virgin olive oil it has a lot of uh, polyphenols in it. I was speaking with another doctor the other day who was talking about how certain olive oils, the extra virgin one has a ton of polyphenols in it and it reduces the risk of you actually getting cancer or can cure cancer too. That was uh, a fascinating conversation. But Dr. Lee, I am mindful of your time. I really do appreciate you making so much time for me today. Uh, two quick final questions for you, if that's all right with you. Where can people get a copy of your brand new book and where do you want people to go for these masterclasses as well? I believe it's all on your website. Yeah, well, so first of all, my book is called Eat to Beat Disease. Eat to Beat Disease. And the by the way, the the, the real, that that's the headliner title. The real essence of the book is, a, is the subtitle, which is the new science of how your body can heal itself. That's really where all the secrets are. When it comes to food and health, it's not just about the food. It's also as much about the body, how the body responds to what you put into it. So that's what's in the book. There's tables and charts, more than 200 foods and recipes and meal plans to try to go with. And so you can buy that anywhere where books are sold. 
um, because, you know, you write a book, you try to put everything you can into it, but then the research continues on. Um, I invite people to sign up to my free newsletter or to come to my master classes, which I do periodically every month and just come to my website. My website's very easy to find. It's Dr. Dr. William Lee, L-I.com, Dr. William Lee.com. And um, just sign up. And, you know, I, I've got, I'm starting this eat to beat disease movement worldwide. I will tell you that, in my master classes, um, I've had as many as eight thousand people attend a master class at a single time. Sign up for a single one. Um, we've gotten. I'm doing a deep dive eat to beat disease course. I have fifteen hundred alumni for that course from thirty eight countries right now. And so, part of my mission in life is to really share with people what I know that they can do for themselves, in which they can love their food and love their health at the same time which I think is honestly amazing. The work that you're doing is helping so many people, including myself, my dad, the family, all those things. So I just want to personally say thank you so much for continuing to do this work. It is needed and it's extremely helpful. Eat to beat disease, go and get a copy of it, go and sign up to the masterclasses. Your newsletters are quite informative too. So if you want more research and more science every single week, sign up to it as well, but I'll make sure everyone knows where to go. For that, Dr. Lee, this is my all-time favorite question. I love asking all my guests at the very end. It is a hypothetical one, but I want you to imagine with me for a moment that you've been able to reach the age of 100. All your friends and your family have decided to put together a film for you of everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done. Don't ask me how in the world they got it all. We'll call it magic for the sake of argument. But they've been able to get it and show it to you on your 100th birthday. What do you want that film to say and to show about your life? Wow. You know, I guess uh, because travel has been such an important part of my life, I want I would want there to be some reflection of the uh, my passion for uh, understanding different parts of the planet and um, the people that live there. I think that we're all one. We're all one. And that um, that, you know, that what makes us human is what makes us similar to one another. And that's really important to me. And I think that, I you know, I would want people to know that, um, you know, I'm a I've been uh, I've been a scientist for as long as I can remember. And science is something that continuously offers promise beyond what we have today. And for anybody who, you know, um, wants hope for whatever it is, science is kind of dangling that just around the corner. So for scientists, that's what we go for. We're actually so motivated by that. And then I think the other thing is that, you know, I'm somebody who really enjoys, um, I, I do enjoy food. And I, I believe that we should not fear our food. We should love our food. Um, and when it comes to health, and, and that's another message that I want people uh, to be able to uh, learn from a reflection of what I've done in my life. It's a great send-off message for people. But Dr. Lee, thank you so much for joining me today on the Storybox podcast. Thank you very much, Jay. I really don't like this part because it means that sadly we have come to an end of yet another story. I just want to say thank you to all of you for tuning in and listening to our guest today. It is my prayer that you would have felt inspired, motivated, challenged in some way, and that you would have learned something new as well. If you would like to hear more amazing stories like this one, you can do so now by searching up the Storybox on all podcast platforms. 
It is that easy. And if you did get something from today's guest, please do share it around with your friend or family member who you feel could benefit from hearing today's story. And before you go, I greatly appreciate it if you could spend 30 seconds leaving a rating review over on Apple Podcasts. It goes a long way to reaching more people and building this community of the Storybox. Let's start changing lives through powerful stories like this one you heard today. Your support is always greatly appreciated. Until next time, when we dive back into the story box, I'm Jay Phantom, and don't forget, your story is worth more than you know. I'll catch you then. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.